Life is complex. Join us for the simple gifts of wisdom, love, and delight in the written word. C.S. Lewis, Petitionary Prayer, A Problem Without an Answer, Part 2. The same astonishing and, even to my natural feeling, shocking promise is repeated elsewhere with additions which may or may not turn out to be helpful for our present purpose. In Matthew 18.19, we learn that if two, or two or three, agree in a petition, it will be granted. Faith is not explicitly mentioned here, but is no doubt assumed. If it were not, the promise would be only the more startling, and the further, I think, from the pattern of Gethsemane. The reason for the promise follows. For where two or three are gathered together, ice ta emon anama, there am I in their midst. With this goes John fourteen thirteen, Whatever you ask in my name, I will do this. Not this or something far better, but whatever you ask. I have discovered that some people find in these passages a solution of the whole problem. For here we have the prayer of the church, as soon as two or three are gathered together in that name, and the presence of Christ in the church, so that the prayer which is granted by the Father is the prayer of the Son, and prayer and answer alike are an operation within the deity. I agree that this makes the promises less startling, but does it reconcile them with the A pattern? And does it reconcile them with the facts? For surely there have been occasions on which the whole church prays, and is refused? I suppose that at least twice in this century the whole church prayed for peace, and no peace was given her. I think, however we define the church, we must say that the whole church prayed. Peasants in Italy and popes in Russian villages, elders at Peebles, Anglicans in Cambridge, Congregationalists in Liverpool, Salvationists in East London. You may say, though I would not, that some who prayed were not in the church, but it would be hard to find any in the church who did not pray. But the cup did not pass from them. I am not in principle puzzled by the fact of the refusal. What I am puzzled by is the promise of granting. And this at once raises a question which shows how frighteningly practical the problem is. How did the church pray? Did she use the A pattern or the B? Did she pray with unwavering confidence that peace would be given? Or did she humbly follow the example of Gethsemane, adding, If it be thy will, not as I will, but as thou wilt, preparing herself in advance for a refusal of that particular blessing, and putting all her faith into the belief that even if it were denied, the denial would be full of mercy? I am disposed to believe that she did the latter. And was that, conceivably, her ghastly mistake? Was she like the diacrinomenos, the man of doubtful faith who, as St. James tells us, must not suppose that he will receive anything? Have all my own intercessory prayers for years been mistaken? For I have always prayed that the illnesses of my friends might be healed, if it was God's will, very clearly envisaging the possibility that it might not be. 
Perhaps this has all been a fake humility and a false spirituality for which my friends owe me little thanks. Perhaps I ought never to have dreamed of refusal. Maiden diacrinominus. Again, if the true prayer is joined with the prayer of the Church, and hers with the prayer of Christ, and is therefore irresistible, was it not Christ who prayed in Gethsemane, using a different method, and meeting with denial? Another attempted solution runs something like this. The promise is made to prayers in Christ's name. And this, of course, means not simply prayers which end with the formula, through Jesus Christ our Lord, but prayers prayed in the Spirit of Christ, prayers uttered by us when, and in so far as, we are in Him. Such prayers are the ones that can be made with unwavering faith that the blessing we ask for will be given us. And this may be supported, though I suspect it had better not be, from 1 John 5.14. Whatever we ask Him according to His will, He will hear us. But how are we to hold this view, and yet avoid the implication, quod nefas dicere, that Christ himself in Gethsemane failed to pray in the Spirit of Christ, since he neither used the form which that Spirit is held to justify, nor received the answer which that Spirit is held to ensure? As for the Johannine passage, would we dare to produce it, in this context, before an audience of intelligent but simple inquirers. They come to us, this often happens, saying that they have been told that those who pray in faith to the Christian God will get what they ask, that they have tried it and not got what they asked. And what, please, is our explanation? Dare we say that when God promises, you shall have what you ask, he secretly means, you shall have it if you ask for something I wish to give you? What should we think of an earthly father who promised to give his son whatever he chose for his birthday, and, when the boy asked for a bicycle, gave him an arithmetic book, then first disclosing the silent reservation with which the promise was made? Of course the arithmetic book may be better for the son than the bicycle, and a robust faith may manage to believe so. That is not where the difficulty, the sense of cruel mockery, lies. The boy is tempted not to complain that the bicycle was denied, but that the promise of anything he chose was made. So with us. It is possible that someone present may be wholly on the side of the B pattern, someone who has seen many healed by prayer. Such a person will be tempted to reply that most of us are in fact grievously wrong in our prayer life. That miracles are accorded to unwavering faith that if we dropped our disobedient lowliness and pseudo-spiritual timidity, blessings we never dreamed of would be showered on us at every turn. I certainly would not hear such a person with skepticism, still less with mockery. I believe in miracles, here and now. But if this is the complete answer, then why was the A pattern of prayer ever given at all? I have no answer to my problem, though I have taken it to about every Christian I know, learned or simple, lay or clerical, within my own communion or without. Before closing, I have, however, one hesitant observation to make. 
one thing seems to be clear to me. Whatever else faith may mean, that is, faith in the granting of the blessing asked, for with faith in any other sense we need not at this point be concerned, I feel quite sure that it does not mean any state of psychological certitude such as might be, I think it sometimes is, manufactured from within by the natural action of a strong will upon an obedient imagination. The faith that moves mountains is a gift from him who created mountains. That being so, can I ease my problem by saying that until God gives me such faith, I have no practical decision to make? I must pray after the A pattern because, in fact, I cannot pray after the B pattern? If, on the other hand, God even gave me such a faith, then again, I should have no decision to make. I should find myself praying in the B pattern. This would fall in with an old opinion of my own that we ought all of us to be ashamed of not performing miracles and that we do not feel this shame enough. We regard our own state as normal and theurgy as exceptional whereas we ought perhaps to regard the worker of miracles, however rare, as the true Christian norm, and ourselves as spiritual cripples. Yet I do not find this quite a satisfactory solution. I think we might get over the prayer in Gethsemane. We might say that in his tender humility our Lord, just as he refused the narcotic wine mingled with myrrh, and just as he chose, I think, to be united to a human nature not of iron nerves, but to a nature sensitive, shrinking, and unable not to live through torture in advance. So he chose on that night to plumb the depths of Christian experience, to resemble not the heroes of his army, but the very weakest camp followers and unfits, or even that such a choice is implied in those unconsciously profound and involuntarily blessed words, he saved others. Himself, he cannot save. But some discomfort remains. I do not like to represent God as saying, I will grant what you ask in faith, and adding, so to speak, because I will not give you the faith, not that kind, unless you ask what I want to give you. Once more, there is just a faint suggestion of mockery, of goods that look a little larger in the advertisement than they turn out to be. Not that we complain of any defect in the goods. It is the faintest suspicion of excess in the advertisement that is disquieting. But at present, I have got no further. I come to you, Reverend Fathers, for guidance. How am I to pray this very night? Tis the gift to be simple. Tis the gift to be free. Tis the gift to come down where we ought to be. And when we find ourselves in the place just right, t'will be in the valley of love and delight. When true simplicity is gained, to bow and to bend, we will not be ashamed. To turn, turn, will be our delight, till by turning, turning, we come round right.